It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 436 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Deck the Hells. It is December 2, 2023, and this is Jen. I'm going to start you off with the Blizzard Gear Store because, yes, there is still loot for you to purchase. And the best part is they're offering things at 20% off. So if there was something that you really wanted to get, and maybe couldn't afford it, or you wanted to get it for someone else and just haven't quite gotten there yet, there's a lot of stuff that's 20% off of the original price in the Blizzard gear store. There are some exclusions that apply. The first thing I'm seeing here is um, the statue stuff. They're definitely pushing the statues, and the one you see first is this, like, Lilith statue, as you've probably seen a picture of before, or maybe you have one, but this one is entirely red like a red acrylic or something like that. And that one's um, apparently 20% off, but there's other statues as well um, from different games with, you know, within Activision Blizzard. There's an Anaria statue with like the light wings coming off and there's a bunch of World of Warcraft stuff and some Overwatch stuff. So whatever you like, it's there. There is a Diablo 4 Sanctuary Gunner Blue Light Glasses. It's literally a pair of glasses. I'm not really sure like how that's supposed to work. It looks like the lenses are tinted kind of a yellow. I'm not sure what's going on with that. There's a statue of Diablo 4 Common Bone Spirit Necromancer 7-inch statue for $30. I don't know what the price was originally. I can't really tell you that. There's drinkware with um, Anarius and Lilith uh, separately going on. There's um, all kinds of t-shirts and stuff like that. Some are Warcraft, some are not. I'm just kind of focusing on what I'm seeing here. Uh, there's a bunch of plush to look at, you know, that sort of thing. Little dragons and stuff from Warcraft and little murgles and things like that. Um, not sure what else is in here exactly. I was hoping for more. Oh, here we go. We can do like apparel and collectibles and things like that. I just saw somebody on Twitter who bought the t-shirt that says what sword, which was like the big sword stuffed into Azeroth whenever. I thought that was kind of neat. There's a really cool uh, Diablo 4 hoodie with like, you know, red coloring on it and all the little circular stuff you'd expect. It's $115, which probably isn't terrible depending on your budget. Um, there's jackets, there's holiday sweaters, which I always find ridiculous. There's a World of Warcraft piece on Azeroth holiday sweater, and it's got Horde and Alliance kind of together. There's an Overwatch one. I don't really know what the characters are because I haven't really played that. There's definitely a Lilith 4 or Diablo 4 Lilith holiday sweater that each of these is $65. At first glance, uh, it might be hard to tell that you're wearing a holiday sweater with the Lilith one if people don't know the game or your relatives maybe don't play it, you know? It's kind of, you could probably get away with that maybe, right? A vast variety of other t-shirts and hoodies from different things. There's collectibles, which is mostly the statues that I mentioned a little bit, but there's actually three of these like skeletal things. So the Diablo 4 Common Bone Spirit Necromancer 7 inches tall is $30. There's another one. The first one has kind of got a purple color around some of his clothing and like a gray uh, chainmail kind of thing going on. The second one is the Diablo 4 Epic Summoner. 
uh, Necromancer 7-inch action figure, also 30. He's very, very gold and has red instead of purple. And then the last one is the Diablo 4 Rare Corpse Explosion Necromancer something. And that one is mostly black and a darker gray. There's also ones from, um, there's there's more. There's uh, Diablo 4 Sorceress. These are all, look, it looks like they're all $30 each, but there's, yeah, the Sorceress. There's one of the uh, Diablo 4 Common Death Blow Barbarian and the Epic Whirlwind Barbarian as well. There is, there's a World of Warcraft Wrath of the Lich King thing. Uh, it looks like it's audio or something. I'm not really sure. There's a Diablo figure, uh, Diablo 4 figure for Anarius. Now I got one from, um, it wasn't from this. This one's from something called U2s, but I think I got it from somewhere else. And I can't remember the name of the company right now, but you've probably seen it online. I didn't put it there, but you know, you get the idea. There's a lot of these weird little statues and stuff like that. If you want to, if you want to get one of those for somebody, uh, there's accessories, there's drinkware, there's, oh, more of these weird glasses. I don't really understand how that works. Cause I personally wear glasses. I don't do contacts or anything like that. And I kind of feel like, okay, so what is the purpose of these? Like there is no possible way that you're going to get your exact, you know, glasses lens subscription or, you know, prescription kind of thing. And have this work. I, I'm not really sure what this is supposed to do. Is it like tinted yellow glass on there or plastic or whatever it is? And I'm just not really sure how the, is this something for people who have a hard time looking at a screen for a long time? I honestly don't know. It's I don't I don't I don't understand. There's some lanyards, there's some desk uh, mat kind of things. There's some blankets. You know, if you want a an alliance blanket or a board blanket, you, you got it. <laughs> you can get it really easy. There's some pillows with Alliance and Horde. I don't see a lot of Diablo stuff in this section, but it could be. So in any case, if you're looking for stuff like this, you can um, you know, just go to the Blizzard store, gear at .blizzard.com. Everything will be in the show notes later. There's pins and stuff like that. It, I've probably mentioned before, but you're... You know, you, you've got a limited amount of time before Christmas if you want to give this to someone for Christmas or if you want to suggest someone get it for you. So just so you know, there's also books and art and posters and all kinds of stuff. And they look pretty cool, actually. Overall, you can also buy, like, if you haven't been playing World of Warcraft, like, in a really long time, there's an art box of the covers you can get, it seems. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but there they are. And I'm just going to move on now. Rock Paper Shotgun has an article titled Read Pop Quote Investigating and Quote The Sale of RPS, which is Rock Paper Shotgun Owners Gamer Network. The potential sale will also include Eurogamer, VG247, Dicebreaker, GI Biz, and more. This is written by Catherine Castle, uh, November 27. There are 82 comments at the end of this article. I'm not going to read you 82 comments. So Catherine wrote this. It's hard to know where to begin with this, but let's just rip the plaster off and get it over with. Read Pop have today announced that they're investigating the potential sale, end quote, of RPS Owners Gamer Network. This also includes our friends at Eurogamer, VG247, 
247, Dicebreaker, and GamesIndustry.biz. Not including it, not included in the sale are UK events EGX or MCM or the website Popverse. There's not a lot more I can say at this stage. We ourselves still have lots of questions that need answering first, but I'll endeavor to share more with you, our readers, as soon as I can. For now, here's the broad strokes of what's happening. For now, it's business as usual. Read Pop told Gamer Network staff today that they have decided to, quote, investigate and, quote, options for selling the Gamer Network business, which means they'll be looking for a buyer for the business over the coming months. Read Pop acquired Gamer Network in 2018 to bolster its already extensive range of pop culture events, which included PAX, New York Comic Con, Star Wars Celebration, and more. Going forward, Read Pop will remain focused on growing its events business, retaining the UK-based events EGX and MCM. In a statement, the company said, Read Pop, part of RX, has reviewed its UK business and decided to investigate the potential sale of its gamer network and associated editorial digital properties. We believe that new ownership offers the best conditions for the growth of the business. Quote, Gamer Network includes... Eurogamer, Rock Paper Shotgun, VG247, Dicebreaker, Games Industry Biz, shareholdings in Outside Xbox, Digital Foundry, Hookshot, and a number of partners. This does not impact any of the other Read Pop properties in the UK, including MCM, Comic Con, EXG, and Popverse. Um, so they don't really know what's going to happen yet, but that's part of what's happening. And then I have one here from GameDeveloper.com. Uh, written by Chris Kerr, or Carr, K-E-K-E-R-R, maybe it is Kerr. Uh, Read Pop investigating sale of Eurogamer, Games Industry Biz, Rock Paper Shotgun, and more. And here's a little bit from that article. Read Pop is prepared to sell its entire gamer network business, which includes major game industry publications, like the ones I just said a little while ago in the other article. Gamesindustry.biz broke the news and said its parent company is investigating a, quote, potential sale, end quote. Notably, the sale wouldn't include UK-based events, MCM Comic-Con or the Eurogamer Expo EXG. ReadPop, which runs global video game festival PAX and oversaw an ill-fated attempt to revive E3, purchased Gamer Network in 2018 and described the acquisition as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Under the company's stewardship, however, U.S. Gamer was shut down after all four remaining staffers were laid off in 2020. That same year also brought the departure of Gamer Network founder Rupert Lohman after two decades. ReadPop has stated its UK-based publications are more likely to thrive under new ownership. Quote, Read Pop, part of RX, has reviewed its UK business and decided to investigate the potential sale of its gamer network and associated editorial digital properties. We believe that new ownership offers the best conditions for the growth of the business, wrote the company in a statement. Although Read Pop claims its editorial roster would be better placed for success under another owner, a number of journalists and writers in the space are shunning corporate ownership altogether to take charge of their own destiny. Earlier this month, former The Escapist employees Nick Calandra and Ben Croshaw established independent outlet Second Wind after Calandra and other staffers were fired by The Escapist parent company Gamers, G-A-M-U-R-S. Prior to that, a group of ex-Kotaku journalists reunited to form Aftermath, a worker-owned media company that was described as a, quote, continuation of the irreverent and hard-hitting journalism pioneered at Kotaku. So what does this mean for gamers that aren't part of this? You know, you're not part of the, if you're not part of that company, you're probably not getting fired. Um, 
some of these people might be able to bounce over to a couple of the ones that were mentioned by Chris Kerr here who, you know, might need some more people to come join them. But typically this means that if it's sold, if these uh, companies are sold either in a bundle or individually to different owners who want to do whatever with them or maybe change them entirely, this could be really bad for gaming journalism. And it, it will make it harder to kind of catch up on things like when one of these, uh, you know, game developer or any other thing that talks mostly about video games has like an interview with somebody high up in a big company or a new game that's coming out, that sort of thing. It's going to be harder to find that information. And I really have concerns that this might end all of these different little companies that are talking a lot about video games and stuff like that. So I'm hoping for the best. Uh, these articles were both posted in, in late November of this year. And it's just kind of like me personally, okay, me personally, I think it's absolutely terrible to write before, you know, the holidays start at the end of the year for most most people. Not everyone celebrates Christmas or any of those things, but some do. And to have the idea that the company you're working for could fire you with no reason because you've been sent to another company who maybe doesn't want as many people or only wants to pick and choose some people. That's a hell of a lot of stress to put on people. And it's not right to do to people at all, in my opinion. You know, you can't just cut someone off right before the Christmas holidays. That's like the biggest shopping, at least in the United States, probably other countries as well. That is like the biggest shopping time of the year where a lot of money changes hands and people buy stuff for the people they love and maybe stuff for themselves as well. It's terrible to do this at this point. That's what I think. So I believe that if this all goes through the way that this company wants, whether they piece meal off all of these things or they just lump them all in one sum and say it's yours now to whoever it was that wanted to buy these things i mean it's going to be a struggle it's going to be a huge struggle because there's going to be people that get laid off in the process as well and i don't like this at all but i wanted y'all to know uh, what was going on here, what's probably going to happen here. It is highly unlikely that some company is going to say, yes, we will take them all and all of your people, because that's not generally what happens during the Christmas season, so to speak. So it's going to be a little dicey. It's going to be harder to find information on um, gaming that's part of this group that seems to be about to be split up. And that's just not right at all. Windows Central has an article with a very long title, quote, we have no plans to bring Xbox Game Pass to PlayStation or Nintendo, end quote. Xbox CEO Phil Spencer on console hardware, the future of Activision Blizzard, and much more. It was posted by Jez Corden yesterday. So here's some from the article. Microsoft Gaming CEO and Xbox lead Phil Spencer is currently at CCXP 2023 presenting alongside other major entertainment companies at one of Brazil's biggest comics, movies, and gaming conventions. Spencer's attendance at the show caps off one of the busiest years for the Xbox team in years, potentially, as the team jetted all over the world to answer regulators on its massive acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Spencer and company also ran a 
events in LA before the summer, attended Gamescom in Germany, spoke on stage at BlizzCon 2023 in Anaheim. Spencer even appeared at the Final Fantasy Fan Festival as part of a renewed partnership with Square Enix. Jez Corden writes, This kind of work schedule might have been the death of me, but Spencer was infectiously brimming with energy, fully fired up during my interview with him yesterday. The Xbox platform is under constant scrutiny from every angle. Part of it is because of how differently Microsoft does things, but part of it is definitely self-inflicted. Microsoft is known for confusing messaging and creating a perception of inconsistent commitments. This perhaps accentuates the difficulty of running what has become, arguably, the most diverse gaming portfolio in the history of the industry. A Tencent-like mobile gaming division, a traditional PlayStation-like console gaming department, an expanding PC gaming footprint, and new paradigms like cloud gaming and gaming subscription services. How does Microsoft manage all of these diverse and occasionally conflicting interests? And what does the future of Xbox look like? We spoke to Phil Spencer to get answers to some of these questions as we close out 2023 and move into what is looking like a bright 2024 for the Microsoft gaming operation. There's an interview in here, and I'll leave you to read it because it's very long. I'm sure it's interesting and entertaining, but I don't have enough of show to put all of that in. There's an article here from Blizzard Watch. Now, I think um, last episode or previous episode, however you want to call that, Blizzard Watch was having trouble financially. Yesterday, uh, there was a post put up and it's written by Elizabeth Harper and it's titled Blizzard Watch, the state of the site as we head to the end of 2023. So here's what uh, what she wrote. It's been a tough year for Blizzard Watch, particularly in the last half of the year when reduced advertising revenue forced us to drastically shut cut down on posting. You've probably noticed that we're only doing a couple of posts per day because that's all the budget will all the budget allowed. But as we head to the end of the year, things are looking pretty good for the site and that's thanks to you, our community. You probably read our call for Patreon support to keep the site running and I wanted to update you on how things are going now. With your generous help, we've managed to boost our Patreon to $4,781 per month, which is a little shy of our $5,000 per month goal, but will also allow us to increase our daily post count and write more long-form articles. While news is usually light through through the holiday season, we should see more posts on the site during December, which we intend to maintain into 2024. But we aren't just relying on Patreon. We're also working to boost our ad revenue, which I hope will bring the site back to where we were before we hit this crisis. For more details on what we've been able to accomplish over the past few weeks, I'm going to hand things over to Dan O'Halloran, who has worked alongside us at Blizzard Watch and WoW Insider before that. You don't see his his name on the site except to post our podcast, but he handles behind-the-scenes business and administrative functions for the site. Here's Dan. This is what Dan wrote. A deeply heartfelt thank you for everyone who either subscribed to our Patreon or increased their subscription tier. That increase in monthly Patreon money will keep us afloat while we work on acquiring new ad partners. Also, I know many of you were not in a position to contribute monetarily, so we very much appreciate the kind messages of support you sent us. As you may have seen, we have a new ad partner in place for the site. We are very glad to be working with them as they specialize in ads for the gaming community. There will be a few hiccups as our ad partners partner tries different configurations, so if you see anything odd or out of place, i.e. autoplay video ads with the sound on, end of parentheses, 
please let us know. We have also signed up with an ad provider for our podcasts, which we hope will offset the cost of producing eight to 10 podcasts a month. We will be keeping an eye on the ad loads versus user experience to let us know how you're doing. And it goes on a little bit from there, but what I wanted to get across here is that it looks like Blizzard Watch is going to be able to push through whatever it was that shut down ads or change things for them. It feels to me like I don't know all of these people personally. I don't hang out with really any of these people personally because you can't really, well, I can't, I can't usually go outside without getting sick lately, but this is a group that really, really feels like to me, it feels like they really love what they're doing and they want to keep doing it. And it seems like that's going to happen for them. It probably was a little unnerving when their funding ran out from whatever ads or something like that. But I'm glad to see that they've got it going on now and it's going to be better and who knows, maybe they'll, maybe, you know, if all these other gaming sites shut down, maybe Blizzard Watch will, like, be the prominent one for talking about video games. Wowhead has a description of the Midwinter Blight Overview, and it's, uh, it's a Diablo 4 thing. It's from a campfire chat during BlizzCon, and I'll tell you a little bit about what's in here. There's some, like, screenshots and stuff like that, so here's what you need to know. Midwinter Blight will only take place in Fractured Peaks. That's it. That's all. It's not like Season 2 where you can go anywhere and the blood hunt moves around to different places, but um, this one's only going to happen in Fractured Peaks. Fractured Peaks has been enveloped in a storm, freezing out the locals. Fractured Peaks is eternally dark as the storm blocks out the sunlight. New horrors lurk in the shadows, preying upon the inhabitants. The developers will post a new article to discuss the Midwinter Blight in more detail in the upcoming days as the event approaches its launch. Um, so there's that. There is a map here. There is, let's see, the Midwinter Blight event goes live on December 12, 2023 and ends on January 2, 2024. The event potentially happens every year, but this has not been confirmed by the developers. Um, Wowhead will update if anything about that, you know, pops up. Where does the quest line start? Players will meet an NPC named Jillian, a wandering bard in Kiovashad at the Hibernal Square, which is, um, I think it's, where is that? It's a midwinter totem. Okay, that's where it is, I guess. At the center of the Hibernal Square, we could find the Totem of Midwinter. The developer didn't want to spoil its significance, but hinted that the Totem of Midwinter plays a role in the event itself. What do we know so far? As players explore the fractured peaks, they will find sinister snowmen structures known as frigid husks, with the, which the Blight fiends build as a tribute to their leader. These frigid husks are crafted with recently killed humans and freshly decapitated heads, limbs, and body parts. So they're gruesome little things there. The demons are causing terror throughout the fractured peaks under the orders of their mysterious leader, the red-cloaked horror. And it looks like a Kazra wearing a red cloak and carrying a big weapon. That's what it looks like. You'll find groups of blight fiends dancing around these frigid husks. You'll also find events themed after the midwinter blight. If you disrupt enough of these events, you will end up annoying and summoning the wrath of the red-cloaked horror. Participating in the killing of this boss will reward you with resources that you can take back to Hibernal Square to increase your progress and obtain rewards. Think of this event as a winter-themed variation of the Blood Harvest with a hunter's acclaim board, which unlocks rewards as you rank up. The developers will prove provide further details on exactly the reward and progress systems, how they work very soon. There's a bunch of rewards you can get. Looks like weapons and things like that. Um, I just wanted that to kind of be 
a thing, you know, if you want to do this thing. It's as gruesome as you would expect for Diablo 4. There's also an update uh, here by Pez Radar on the U.S. forums for Blizzard for Diablo 4. Uh, and he wrote this. A quick few notes prior to the 1.2.3 update coming to Diablo 4 on Tuesday via a same-day server-side hotfix. The melted heart of Selig will no longer count as the player spending resources when resources drained from damage taken in PvP zones. We are doing this because of an interaction that is causing some performance issues for players. Per our earlier commitments, we will make our best efforts to not nerf builds during the season, and we are only applying this as it is is impacting player game performance. For Season 3, this will be fixed for all areas outside of PvP as well. Separately, when 1.2.3 hits, we will have a known issue with advanced tooltips on the Tears of Blood glyph, where it will show bonuses as additive. The icon is incorrect, and it is actually multiplicative. That will also be noted in the hotfix notes for Tuesday, so that's what they're fixing. There's some patch notes for Diablo 4, and this was uh, posted December 1st, so here's the latest patch notes. Uh, gameplay updates. Starting on December 5th, battle legions of Zer's minions and race against time in a new endgame pinnacle dungeon, Abattoir of Zer. For more information, there's a link embedded in there. You can go to check it out. I might pop that up here if I have time. A full list of possible affixes can now be previewed in the enchantment menu using the new view possible affixes button. Earned glyph experience from most nightmare tiers was increased. Tiers 1 to 17, no change. By tiers 30, uh, from 66 to 79. Tier 50, 106 to 139. Tier 75, 156 to 239. And tier 100, 206 to 339. Developers note, after reviewing gameplay data and player feedback, we recognized that completing higher nightmare tiers was not as rewarding as we initially hoped for, with many players stopping their journey after reaching tier 50. The experience increase to glyphs at higher tiers was made with the intent of incentivizing players to push their builds, making their arrival at tier 100 feel that much more fulfilling. We will monitor how this change experience pans out for players and encourage you to provide us with any feedback you have around this system. They also introduced further support for NVIDIA Reflex technology, and there's a game setting to do that if you want to do that. There's a couple of bug fixes here. Fixed an issue where the screen reader didn't announce the required packs for Vampiric Powers. Fixed an issue that made the screen reader malfunction on the Steam Deck. Those are problems if you're if you're reliant on a screen reader, because there are players, there are several players I've at least heard of that maybe partially blind or totally blind that would probably need the screen reader to tell them what was in front of them. So I'm glad that they're fixing that there. There's also some other weird stuff in dungeons happening or it was fixed an issue where the mechanical box wouldn't respond if the player was killed by the boss in the Bastion of Faith. Fixed an issue in the Fallen Temple dungeon where the objective to destroy the idol of the Fallen Temple could not be completed properly if the idol was destroyed instantly. <laughs> Fixed an issue where the debuff effects in the Fallen Temple could be avoided when leaving and re-entering the dungeon. Fixed an issue where enemies from the Soul Survivor event could spawn behind locked doors in the Hallowed Ossuary blocking event mastery completion. Fixed an issue where Nightmare Dungeons wouldn't properly reset after all revives were exhausted when playing in local co-op. Fixed an issue where enemies spawned by animus-carrying monsters with the Summoner F 
Aphex unexpectedly carried Animus. The Aphex did it, I guess. Uh, fixed an issue where bonus elemental damage Aphexes of Nightmare Dungeons scaled their damage too low or too high for their respective tier. And then there's some other stuff in here. There's a little bit about Season of Blood, so I'll give you that too. Fixed an issue where Blood Harvesters could quickly disappear after spawning. Fixed an issue where the Norviac enemy could spawn repeatedly in certain co-op situations. Fixed an issue where Seeds of Hatred extracted by being Hatred's chosen did not count toward a season journey objectives progress fixed an issue which made potent blood dropped from a blood well inaccessible developers note a previous hotfix allowed players to walk through blood wells to access potent blood this change reversed reverts the ability to walk through blood wells but in exchange potent blood will no longer spawn in the middle of blood wells so it can be easily picked up fixed an issue where Doriel wouldn't spawn when the player re-entered the boss arena after respawning and there's a little bit more in there and I'll leave you to check all of that out if you'd like to. Moving on to Diablo Immortal, which I started playing a little while ago again, and uh, it was just for the heck of it, and then um, I think I went back to D4. Diablo Immortal, the uh, account on Twitter slash X, has a little video here. It says, the deeper you wander into the dark wood, the wilder it gets. Dare to enter our newest event in the dead of winter and earn handsome rewards daily for your heroics. It is a video... Um, I don't have the sound on, but it'll show you like what's in there. There's a, it looks like um, someone with a couple of crossbows uh, in the air behind like a really, really bright moon. <laughs> that's kind of what it looks like. And that's all there is to that one. So uh, if you're interested in that, that's something you can try. There's also from the Diablo Immortal account on Twitter slash X. And they wrote this, Happy horrifying holidays, mortals. We're decking the hells, and December is sure to be full of festive fright. What events are you anticipating the most? So here we have decking the halls with hell. Prepare for exciting updates and spine-tingling seasonal events. So starting on Thursday the 7th, there's a whole week after that called Grim Preparation, which is partitioned with a splintered soul's launch. The next week is the Splintering Dark and the Darkling Plain. And then the last week is Brumaltine, Survivor's Bane, and Phantom Market. And there is like this weird looking tree somewhere in uh, the Diablo Immortal universe, I suppose. And I'm not sure how much of this links up to like the flavor of the thing I just read you with the Diablo 4 stuff. Um, but, you know, if you want to check it out, you can. Also... There is a Diablo 3 PTR 2.7.7 preview going on. This was posted on December 1st of 2023 on the Blizzard News site. So I'll read you a little bit of that. It starts with, Hail Nephilim, we welcome you to the Diablo 3 patch 2.7.7 PTR from December 5th through 12th. We'll need your help in testing balance changes for all classes and two returning season themes that are being permanently added to the game for all modes. Rites of Sanctuary and Visions of Enmity. And here's some stuff. Okay, PTR focus and details. The patch 2.7.7 PTR will soon be underway. During this time, there may be periodic maintenances, outages, hotfixes, or minor patches. We urge you to focus your playthrough on the following. 
Rites of Sanctuary and Visions of Enmity. Based on positive community feedback, we saw these season themes were such a hit that we've decided to make them permanent. Players can harness the might from the Altar of Rites and Diabolical Fissures to dream up unique class builds and achieve new levels of power. Class Balance. To ensure that the most significant class changes receive an ample amount of attention, we'd love for you to focus testing and providing feedback on the balance changes for all classes. PTR unique buffs will be active to help you on your journey, increased experience gains, and double blood shard drops. You can also buy new gear for testing from the special PTR vendor, Dank Meme. It is D-J-A-N-K-M-I-apostrophe-E-M, looks like a giant Kazra, who will exchange blood shards for class-specific bags full of legendary items that we'd love for you to test. So that we can efficiently review your post, please provide feedback in the PTR feedback forum and bug reports in the PTR bug forum. Here's some tips. With our previous, as with our previous PTRs, this testing period is short, so it's best to hit the ground running. Whether you're a PTR veteran or newcomer, we thought we'd pass along a few tips to get you started. Because of the limited duration of this PTR, we ask that participants pick a particular por- uh, portion of the update to focus on testing. For example, if you're primarily a Witch Doctor player, consider what changes impact the Witch Doctor specifically, what you like best, what you think may still need adjustment, and what you'd want to see in the future, even even if that may be beyond the scope of this patch. All are good questions to ask yourself before submitting feedback. Try to break things. Just tell us when you do so we can make sure that the patch's launch is as smooth as possible. When providing feedback, focus less on a solution and more on your experience. How do the changes make you feel? Did something seem incorrect or insufficient? Suggestions are always welcome, but identifying the issues themselves is most important. New permanent features. Rites of Sanctuary and Visions of Enmity. Back by popular demand, the Rites of Sanctuary and Visions of Enmity season themes have become a permanent fixture of Diablo 3. I'm really glad to hear that because those were fun. Um, I think one was still live, maybe? I'm not sure. Um, Anyway, while we are extremely excited to make these features always available to ensure your time slaying demons remains balanced, we have had to make some adjustments to the bonuses provided by the Altar of Rites. When existent alongside visions of enmity, continual season themes, and adjustments to class balance, we felt the game's balance would benefit from adjustments to Rites of Sanctuary. Here's what changed. Force is decreased damage from plus 100 from plus 200. Shadow is decreased missile damage reduction to 5% from 25%. Exodus is decreased movement speed uncapped to uh, plus 10% from plus 25%. It goes on from here with all the different things you could possibly run into or have. Developers note, in addition to the desire for all of Diablo 3's systems to feel both fun and challenging, the Altar of Rights adjustments were made to maintain a sense of progression throughout playing, not while coming into conflict with other features. Then there's class balance changes. Striking a middle ground between fun and balanced is our top priority when it comes to classes. As we mentioned in our Season 29 article, going forward, a series of iconic themes from seasons past will be reintroduced roughly every three months. The below class balance changes will be made were made to ensure each class remains both fun and balanced as powerful season themes return to Diablo 3. Here's the developer's note. Over time, we have seen some builds gain a massive amount of power, leaving other builds behind and in need of updates. The wizard's meteor has dominated the battlegrounds of Sanctuary for far too long, as well as some other sets. We believe to have found a good avenue for each build to perform in and have improved sets across each class to work towards this goal. Given the number of changes we have made for this PTR, 
receiving feedback from the community is crucial in ensuring we hit the mark. So for uh, Barbarian, they're talking about the Bite of Earth and the Legacy of Raycor builds. Crusader is Roland's Legacy, Aegis of Valor, Akan's Manacles, Blade of Prophecy, and Faithful Memory. And this is just, you know, what they're doing in the PTR and probably will go through, you know, after the PTR. Demon Hunter has the Shadow's Mantle and Embodiment of the Marauder. The Monk has Rainment of a Thousand Storms, Uliana's Stratagem, and Kiyoshiro's Blade. Necromancer has Pestilence, Anarius, I guess that's a build, Anarius, uh, Trigul's Avatar, Masquerade of the Burning Carnival, Blood Tide Blade, Grasps of Essence, and Corpse Whisper Pauldrons. And the Witch Doctor has Rainment of the Jade Harvester, which is one I thought was fun when I used to play that. Uh, Helltooth Harness, Mundungu's Regalia, Spirit of Arakir, and Zunimasa's Haunt. The Wizard has Delsir's Magnum Opus, Talrasha's Elements, The Smoldering Core, The Twisted Sword. And that's pretty much it. There's a thing on here. If you would like to participate in the PTR, it will tell you, it'll walk you right through it. So you can go do that whenever you want. Wowhead has another article, and this is where I'm going to end the show out. It's the Abattoir of Zur Runs End When You Die. BlizzCon interview roundups give new insights into Diablo 4. And there's some art in this that we saw during BlizzCon. If you're watching, I was watching it. Um, I didn't go, but I was watching some of it. And yeah, so there's a whole bunch of stuff in here. There's... Um, a bunch of different interviews and there's no way I'm going to go through all of this at once, but I can tell you that uh, Game Informer spoke with Rod Ferguson and Joe Shelley. Screen Rant spoke with Joe uh, Prepiora and Tiffany Watt. There's um, another one. <laughs> there's like a very interesting image here of these like stuff that's going to happen for the mid the midwinter thing it seems like the same people kind of like you know did a bunch of interviews for different sites and things like that but if you want to read like the the highlights of that wowhead's got it for you and that's gonna be the end of this show with um one more thing i want to say i started streaming again on twitch i used to years ago and got tired of it and probably got really busy and then forgot. So I just started again. The Twitch thing is Barbarian Cobalt, as in, you know, tiny but mighty. And I've used that name for quite some time. I'm pretty good at playing Diablo 4. As you, you know, I'm not like the best in the world, but I'm like, I'm, I do pretty well with that. But the problems I'm having are with the software between uh, how I'm getting the, the game on Twitch and things like that. So when I get that like set up better and have like a actual like timing of what days I'm going to stream, I'll let you know, but it's kind of a work in progress, but it's something I want to try again and it might be fun. So we'll just see how that goes. And that's where I'm going to close out the show. You have been listening to episode 436 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You could also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter at Shattered Stone, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.